Good morning. And welcome to Waters Church. So glad that you are here with us. My name's Tim. I'm the pastor here at the location, North Attleboro. And uh, we are one church in three locations, Norwood, North Attleboro, Taunton, Massachusetts. We're so glad that you're here. And if you're here for the first time, a special welcome to you as well. We just hope that you feel the love of God right from the moment you walk in and know that we are here for those who are not yet here. Amen. All right. That's what we're here for. Uh, take out your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 19. And if you don't have a Bible, but you have a smartphone, I would highly encourage you to download the lifechurch.tv Bible app. If you search Bible, it's probably the first one that comes up, and that's going to uh, be a valuable, valuable resource. In fact, for anybody who wants to, there is a seven-day reading plan starting today on Palm Sunday for the last week of Jesus. And I would encourage you to, to get on that reading plan in the Bible app from lifechurch.tv. That is a um, very, very good resource for uh, what many believe is Holy Week. Now, you might be saying, where are my palms? They're right here. <laughs> and you know, uh, I explain this every year on Palm Sunday. We don't do palms because, uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, um, reason is because the palm was actually used by Judas Maccabeus in a Jewish revolt against Rome. It was a military revolt, and it was the symbol of the military revolt. And when they raised up palms to Jesus, they were basically saying, we believe that you're going to overthrow and topple Rome militarily. And that is not what Jesus did, right? Jesus came, died for us, and set in us the seed of God's word or the seed of God's Holy Spirit so that through nonviolent works and good works, the powers of Satan are destroyed through the goodness of God. And so that's why we don't do palms. It's very simple. Uh, if you look at history and you really read it, you'll understand that many of the things that we do in church tradition actually are not anything to do with the gospel. So we don't try to propagate anything like that. And if you're looking for a palm, uh, just turn to your neighbor and high five them. And you got a palm right there. That's what that video was for. Actually, let me talk about that video. There are ways to high five and there are ways to not high five, right? There are ways to say hello. There are ways not to say hello. And, and, and when I spoke last week, I told you that in this On Mission series, we're going to close this On Mission series out with a message about sharing your faith. And the message title today is Simply Sharing Faith the Jesus Way. Simply Sharing Faith the Jesus Way. Take out your notes and fill in the blanks with me. I got four points for you. It's very simple today, very easy, and very Jesus-oriented on how we share our faith. The fact that you're here this morning means two things. Uh, first, it means that you did not win $640 million on Friday night. And the second reason that you're here is because Jesus has saved you or brought you into the family, if you're a follower of Christ, that you might bring others to know him. That's why he saved you. That's what you are here on this earth for after you come to know Christ for yourself. Now, I talk about that lottery deal for one specific reason. I had some people this week text me, uh, some friends from amongst you. They texted me promises. They said, if I win the lottery, I want to let you know, Pastor, that I'm going to give you this much money. And I want to say to all those people, thank you. Uh, that's nice of you, but you know that the, the Bible says we walk by faith. And so if you want to win, you've got to give first. 
and then the wind will come, okay? That's how it works in the kingdom of God. But I was, I was amused by that because I thought about this, that so many of us would say things like that. If I win, if I win this money, then I will share it. Or if I get this much, then I will give it. And um, not that I'm not a fan of conditional generosity, but I think about this. All of us who have accepted Christ, the Bible says God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you are blessed today? In fact, I think it's like this. You are already in Christ a spiritual millionaire. You've got something to share. You've got Christ in you. It's better than $640 million because nobody takes half of it away from you the moment you get it. The government can't tax you on it. It's yours, it's free, it's godly, it's given freely in Jesus' name so that you can live a life of sharing it with everybody that you know. But we've all been there, probably. Those awkward moments of trying to share our faith or those hard moments where you get into a conversation with someone and it goes very, very badly, very, very quickly. Has anybody ever been there? And you just sense yourself speaking, and as you're telling them things that you want to tell them, you're thinking to yourself, that's not right. <laughs> well, what did I just say? I, I just think I said something heretical, you know? Something comes out of your mouth, and you didn't mean it, and then you want to take it back, but you can't because you're already into it, and then you have to re retrace your steps or backtrack or whatever you have to do there, and maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you've had that experience where you've uh, gotten into a, a time where you want to share your faith and uh, almost like in, in lightning fast speed, the conversation went from you sharing your faith to an argument about politics or creation or social hot button issues that have nothing to do with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you're thinking to yourself, how did this happen? Has anybody ever been there? Maybe you've just gotten somebody who's just, you know, just lambasted you with that question. And, and, I, and I get this. Listen, I get this too. You have that inner fear that somebody's going to ask you the question that you don't have an answer for. Right? We've been there. And many of you don't share your faith simply because of that. You don't want to talk about your faith because if they ask you a question you can't answer, it's not that you're gonna doubt the faith. It's not that they're gonna have like some kind of influence on you walking away from the faith. That's not what's gonna happen. You just don't want to drop the ball. You don't wanna give them more reason to not believe. Am I talking to anybody? Amen. And, and you wanna be someone who is effective. And I believe that the reason why you're here today is, is because you wanna be effective in sharing Jesus. And there is this message in the world today, and if you're new to Waters Church or if you're not a Christian today, uh, you've probably heard this, and, and many Christians have heard this too, is that we should be quiet about our religion. We should be personal. That's a personal issue. That's not something that you should share. That's like politics. Just be quiet about that and keep it to yourself. It's good for you. It's, it's fine for you, but just keep it in your closet and, and shut the door and don't talk about that with other people. Listen. This is, this is the mantra of the world. Keep it to yourself. But the mantra of Jesus, our Lord, 
is go and tell everybody what you know about me. Go and share. You are my witnesses. And in John, actually, there's a verse in John 20, verse 21. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, Jesus, so I, Jesus, send you. I'm sending you out the way Jesus sent, God sent me out. And so it is a prerogative from God. It is an imperative command from our Lord. Do not be quiet about this. And every single one of us have to make this decision every single week. Are we going to obey the mantra of our politically correct society or are we going to obey the high calling of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I'm going with Jesus. So that's what today is about. Simply sharing your faith with people you know, all right? So Luke chapter 19, 10 verses. I want you to stand with me as we read these incredible verses. Uh, very familiar story, very familiar song, and you'll know why in just a moment. He entered Jericho, verse one, he entered Jericho, and this is Jesus, and he was passing through. He was passing through Jericho. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. All right, everybody sing it, ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man. Oh, you're good. All right. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Okay, you stink. Never mind. <laughs> uh, and there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Somebody say, he was rich. <clears throat> and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd... He could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Again, Jesus is passing through. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay. I like those two words. I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Are we standing up and saying this? And look what he says next. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, and he did, he was a tax collector, and he was a chief tax collector, which means he was very good at pilfering his own people. If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold, or four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house, for he also is the son of Abraham. And then these wonderful, wonderful words of our Lord. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We give you our attention. Holy Spirit, I ask that the words of my mouth will be your words. I ask that as I speak, we will all hear. And what we hear will change our lives from the inside out through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in his name we pray, everybody said, amen. amen. God bless, have a seat. Did you see what just happened in 10 short verses? I, I, I thought about this, I was amazed at this, uh, that in 10, there we go, that in 10 verses, 
in 10 verses, a wealthy, successful tax collector who is far from God turns into a philanthropist, Jesus, radical disciple in 10 verses. That's amazing. Some of us are blue in the face talking to people about our faith and nothing's happening. Well, Jesus just did it in 10 verses. He turned somebody who was the least likely to be a follower of Jesus into a radical disciple. And church history tells us that Zacchaeus would stay with the faith, stay in the church, and become a pillar of leadership in the church to the point that he died as the bishop of Caesarea Philippi, one of the most prestigious locations of the early church. This guy was radically changed in 10 verses. What happened? What happened? How, how can we have that kind of success? I want to share that with you. Because notice what didn't happen. Here's what didn't happen. There was no miraculous event. There was nothing miraculous about these 10 verses. Um, Jesus didn't raise Zacchaeus' daughter from the dead. You know? Jesus didn't call down fire from heaven. Jesus didn't say, okay, you want to see God? Let me show him to you. Father, speak to them. All right, everybody, listen to Jesus. I mean... That didn't happen, did it? Nothing, just one thing happened. Jesus goes to his house, and then within that moment, within 10 verses, this guy has such an encounter with God's son that he turns into a radical disciple and stays with it for the rest of his life and turns into a giver, not a taker, and somebody that you and I are gonna see in heaven one day. What a success story. Well, what does Jesus do? I looked at these verses this week, and I realized that Jesus does four things. Four things that all of us can do to simply share our faith. And there's no arguing involved. There's no debating involved. There's no having the right answer for the right question involved. It's simple. And the best part about these four things is every single one of us can do them. All right, so number one, what did Jesus do? Number one, do good for them. Fill it in in your notes. We got those pre-printed for you, so you can just fill it in and follow us along. Do good for them. How do I share Jesus or my faith with people? Do good. Be somebody who's filled with good works. Be somebody who other people notice being the kindest, most loving, gentlest, most compassionate person that they know. Jesus was someone who regularly did good things for people. He always was doing good things. In fact, just before this encounter with Zacchaeus, in chapter 18 of Luke, uh, God, Jesus heals a blind man of his sight. And the Bible says that people were enamored with the fact that wherever Jesus went, he was always doing something good. Jesus practiced what he preached. Here's what he preached, Matthew 5, 16. Look what he says. He says, let your light so shine. Somebody say, so shine. Let it so shine before men. In other words, make sure that when you do these things, you're doing them intentionally and strategically so that other people take notice. Let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, somebody say good works, they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. Be somebody who loves somebody. Be the kindest person in the office. Be the nicest person in your school. Buy somebody lunch. You might not be able to heal the blind, 
although you can through the power of the Holy Spirit if you have faith, but you might not be able to heal their blindness, but you can care for somebody. You can, you can help somebody. You can pray for somebody. You know what I have found is that nobody will refuse a prayer. You find somebody who's going through a rough time in the office, you tell them, hey, I'm a Christian. Do you mind if I just pray for you? I'm telling you something. They're gonna say yes, no matter what they believe. And that's just the love of Jesus coming out of you, to do good for other people. Um, Jesus preached this, and then look what it says in Acts chapter 10. He practiced what he preached. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around, what's the next two words? Doing good. And healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. Listen, God was with Jesus to do good. And guess what? God is with you so that you can do good. And sometimes that's all you need to do. Sometimes you just need to close this and open this (laughs) and be somebody who does good. So you help them in the office. You buy them lunch. You buy them coffee. Uh, one time I was in the checkout line of a grocery store, and as I was in the checkout line, um, there, it was around Christmas time, and there was a movie in the shelf. It was a Christian movie that I absolutely love, and it's called Faith Like Potatoes. I only mention that because you should watch that movie. Faith Like Potatoes is from South Africa, and of course, I'm married to a South African, and so I have to watch all South African Christian movies. But it is a fantastic, it is a fantastic Christian story. And so I saw a lady, and it just felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, buy the movie and give it to her. I just felt like that. And, and I didn't know, you know, and also, look, we all do this. Is that God? Is that God telling me to do that? Listen, let, let's just settle something out right now. If you're thinking about doing something good for somebody else, I guarantee you it's not the devil telling you to do that. It's God, okay? And you say, well, what if it's me? You're not that spiritual. You're not that spiritual. It's God. So I just, I picked it up and I bought it and then I handed it to the lady. She was in back of me. I said, can you just watch this this Christmas? I, this is my gift to you. And she said, thank you. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if she watched. I hope that she did, but I just did something good. It's just simply doing something good out of the ordinary because I don't know about you, but I see a world that is all about me, all about serving myself. And when we turn the tide on that, people notice that st- selflessness sticks out like a sore thumb in America. Amen. Too good. Too good. Number two. Be there for them. Two words, be there. Be there for them. I want you to notice what happened here. Let's contrast verse one with verse five in Luke chapter 19. Here's what verse one says. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. He was passing through. What was Jesus doing? He was was, was just gonna go through Jericho. And in verse five, he sees Zacchaeus and notice what happens when he came to the place where Zacchaeus was. He says, hurry up and come down. I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. Did you just see what Jesus did? Jesus changed his plans to be with Zacchaeus. And here are two powerful words that could totally illuminate somebody that you know to the love of God who might be far from God. Be there. Be there. Be willing to be flexible in your plans and in your appointments to spend time with those who are far from God. That you are someone who is present because your 
presence is the presence not of just you, but the Holy Spirit in you. And this is important to understand. Where was Jesus headed? He was headed to Jerusalem for the last time where he would be crucified on the cross. Now that, I don't know about you, but to me, that's a very important appointment. And I don't think any single one of us has a more important appointment than that one. But Jesus says, that can wait. I know that's coming, but I, I need to spend some time with someone who is far from God. And there's no miraculous event, and Jesus doesn't, I don't know, he might have talked to him about the kingdom, but there was no preaching or condemning Zacchaeus of his sin. He was just there. Somebody say, be there. Be there. Just be there for them. And here's why you need to be there for them. Because at some point in their life, it, life will happen. Life will happen. They'll get the bad medical report. They'll struggle with the divorce settlement. They'll experience the loss. They'll have the job loss. They'll experience something that they didn't expect. And if you are being there, you will be there for them at that moment to open your mouth then and share. Because most people come to faith in Christ through a crisis. Most people come to faith through, through a crisis. In fact, you look at the record of Jesus, most of the people that followed him were people who were in the midst of the crisis. The woman with the issue of blood, Jairus, the synagogue ruler whose daughter was dying, the woman, the widow at Nain, the Roman centurion with the servant who was ill, all came to Christ because they were in the midst of a crisis. And so when we are there and we are aware that we need to be there for them so that when life happens to them, we have the opportunity to share because we are there. Be there. Number three, care about them. <clears throat> Care about them. I love these words from Jesus. Verse five, I must stay. And I think that Jesus said this with great emotion. I think he didn't, I don't think he just said, well, all right, Zacchaeus, you got my attention. Let's go. Let's have some coffee. Fine. I think he said, oh man, Zacchaeus, Come on down. I, I, I must stay with you today. I want to be with you. I care about you. Not care just for them, that's doing good, but caring about them. Do you care about them? Do you, are you concerned for them? And caring means taking the time to get to know them. See, one of the biggest hindrances of us sharing our faith is we don't take any time to get to know them. All we want to do is tell them about what we care about and what we care about is Jesus. And that's wonderful that you care about Jesus, but I got news for you. They don't care about Jesus and you can talk to them until you're blue in the face about Jesus. If they don't care about Jesus, they're not gonna be interested in Jesus. Here's how you change that whole scenario. You don't care, not necessarily about what you care about at that moment, you care about what they care about at that moment. Now, I'm gonna give you a secret. You might wanna write this down. How do you get anybody to talk to you endlessly. The secret is bring up their favorite subject. What's everybody's favorite subject? Themselves, that's right. Themselves, how do I know? 
Here's how I know everybody's favorite subject is themselves. You look at a group photo, and who's the first person that you're looking for in the group photo? You. And if you don't look good in the group photo, what do you say? Get that photo out of here. That's a terrible picture. I look awful. Get that off of Facebook. Why? Because your favorite subject is you. Their favorite subject is them. Their interests, their habits, their golf game, their, their, um, their, their, their lives, their children, they want to talk about them. And this is how Jesus interacted with people. He got to know them. I love this verse. I must stay at your house. In other words, Zacchaeus, I want to know you. I want to learn about you. I want to care about you. It wasn't, hey, Zacchaeus, all right, fine. You want to follow me? Good. Uh, come with me. We're going to the cross in Jerusalem, and you can die too. It was, I care about you, Zacchaeus. What could, what what could happen in your life if you just stop preaching at people and trying to share your faith and just showed interest in them? So you ask them questions about their life. You, in, you are interested in who they are and that caring about them changes them uh, because they see the concern that you have, not just for who Jesus is and what Jesus needs to do, but for their lives. And I thought about this. Some of you need to write this down. People are not your project. The people that you want to reach for Christ, don't treat them like they're projects. Listen, we're Americans. We're smart. We can smell that a mile away. You want to come and treat me like your personal pet project? I pick it up immediately, and I'm like, all right, enough. I have enough advice from people. I don't need any more. And that's exactly the same way that people who don't know Christ are. They, 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 they don't want to be treated like, like a pet project. And, and some of you, look, some of you parents, I say this with all compassion, but your children are not your project if they're unsaved. They're not your project. They are your children, and your job is to love and care about them and reach them with the message of Christ because you show compassion to them and interest in them. Don't treat them like a project. They are people for whom Christ died, not your spiritual project. I wrote this down in the notes, and you can fill this in the blank. The old adage is, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care about how much you know until you know, they know how much you care. So care about them. In the Gospels, the disciples were always trying to push people away. And Jesus was always saying, don't do that. I care about these people. Little children came up. Disciples, no, 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 go away, go away, go away. Jesus is busy. No, 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 let them come. Little woman comes with uh, the, the, the demon-possessed daughter, and, and she's not a Jew. And so they say, oh, go away, go away, send her away. Jesus, no, 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 I care about them. Care about them. Uh, some of you need to write this question down. Who do I need to care about this week? The week before Easter. Who do I need to expressly care about this week? Number four. And lastly. And this is the most important. Believe God can save them. Believe it. 
If you don't believe that God can save them, don't even bother caring about them. You gotta have this as the underlying foundation of everything that you do. Believe that God is able, more than able, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think, that you know that you serve a God who can change the coldest heart and warm them to the gospel of Christ because God is able. Believe it. Now, Zacchaeus, let's, let's look at this guy again. There was one reason, one attribute of Zacchaeus that probably made all the disciples think, this guy can't be saved. This, this guy isn't the kind of guy that could come to Christ. What was that attribute? Here it is. He was rich. He was rich. Now, is this not a fair or accurate statement that many times the hardest kind of person to reach for God is the person who doesn't have need of God, right? Like, we, we're Americans, we live amongst Americans. Americans are not that needy. Uh, we might be emotionally needy, but we have more than enough clothes, more than enough stuff. We have more than enough time for more than enough recreation to keep us occupied enough to never even think about eternity, church, or God. And this is a guy who's rich and successful. And the disciples probably looked at Zacchaeus and thought, he's off your radar, God. He can't possibly be somebody that you want to reach. But where would they have gotten that idea from? They got that idea from Jesus. They got that idea from just a few short verses before. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus has this encounter with a rich young ruler. He's rich, he's young, he was probably attractive, and he was also very moral. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what do I need to do to be saved? Jesus says, you know the commandments, do them. He says, okay, I've done all the commandments. What else do I still lack? He says, here's what you lack. Sell all your possessions, give to the poor, follow me and you'll have treasures in heaven. And the Bible says this. He says, when he heard these things, Verse 22 of Luke 18, uh, he went away sad, for he was extremely rich. And then the next verse, Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, look at what Jesus says, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. I would also add this, how difficult it is for those who think they're good enough to get to heaven to enter the kingdom of God. Amen because you're not good enough. I'm not, and no one is. But he says, it's, it's almost impossible. Look what he says. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. So you can imagine the disciples looked at Zacchaeus and thought, well, he's rich. And so, Jesus, you just got telling us about, done telling us about the fact that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get to heaven. So why would we bother telling Zacchaeus about heaven and hell and you? I mean, he's rich. And the disciples said this in Luke chapter 18, verse 26. They said, well, Lord, then who can be saved? If it's that hard. But they may have forgotten the very next words from Jesus. Luke 18, 27, but Jesus said, what is impossible with man is what? Say it with me, possible with God. God is able to save them. And I wanna let you, I wanna release you today. I want to set some people free in this church with one statement. 
And, and let me say, it's, this statement set me free years ago as a pastor. I don't save anybody. <laughs> this is so important. I can't save anybody. I can't grow this church. I can't build the kingdom. Do you know who does? God. Do you know who's gonna save the person that you want to know Christ? God. We can't save a soul. It is God's work. It is God's doing. God started this thing. God sent Jesus. God raised Jesus from the dead. God is in charge of the whole situation. And God is the one who is able to reach the unreachable and save the unsavable and love the unlovable through you. Through you. Salvation is the work of God. Sharing our faith is the work of us. It's that simple. Here's the scripture you need to have in your heart. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7. Paul says, I planted the seed in your hearts. I, I planted those seeds, okay? And Apollos, another apostle, Apollos watered it, but it is God who made it grow. And it's not important who does the planting and it's not important who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Amen. And so who do you need to do good for this week? Who do you need to be there for this week? So that when life happens to them, you're there to share. Who do you need to care about this week? So that when Easter rolls around, you have the opportunity to just invite them to church. Say, come on out. You know, it's just that simple. It's just that simple. Just showing interest in them. And then at some point, look, uh, please don't leave here this morning thinking, okay, I got it, Pastor Tim. The message is just be a good person and that's good enough. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Be a good person, absolutely. Do those good things, right. But at some point, you're gonna have to open this and let the words come out of your mouth and tell them about Jesus. Why, what makes you different? Let me tell you. What, why do you have such confidence in your life? Let me tell you. How, how were you able to get over that tragedy? Let me tell you. I found Christ, or actually Christ found me, and I've never been the same since. And that's how you share. There's a guy over here at the gym that I used to talk to all the time about, about Christ, and I would share my faith with him, and he was one of these guys, very hard, didn't wanna hear about it, actually has parents that go to a church very much like ours. And uh, you know, all I did was I would just talk to him about what he was interested in. He's into all this workout stuff, the drinks and everything like that, and he would tell me, and I would ask him about all these questions about this. I wanted to know about him. And uh, you know, he would come and tell me about his weekend, and you know, he'd swear his head off and tell me, yeah, you know, I had a great weekend. I got drunk on Friday. I got drunk on Saturday. And wouldn't you know, I got drunk on Sunday. It was awesome. And then he would say this. He would say, how was your weekend? And I would say, well, I had a great weekend. I went to church. And my church is awesome. I got to tell you, my church is the best. It's the most loving place on the planet. And I'll tell you what, the preacher at my church is probably the best preacher I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, as I show interest in them, 
it gives me opportunity to speak. Because we have to earn the right. We have to earn the right in this culture to speak into people's lives. Amen, someone? I want you to stand to your feet with me.